0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, September 7th, 2014. David, the anointing. Great job, Michael. Thank you.
1: You know, the thing about Michael, he read that psalm, but he also is living for Jesus. So it's just not a kid reading scripture, it's a kid living scripture. Thank you, Michael.
0: So David is regarded as the greatest earthly uh, king of the nation of Israel, greatest king they ever had. This month we're going to look, David, at both his strengths and his challenges and consider what lessons we might learn from this Great leader from this man, as scripture tells us, this man after God's own heart.
1: Well, good morning, Connection Church. Morning. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for today. Help us remove any obstacles, any barriers, any distractions right now, so that we could hear <coughs> excuse me, the message that you would have for each one of us right here, right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody gathered, said, amen. Amen.
0: So since we're going to be talking about David for four weeks, we're going to give a little background, a little background that leads up to David and his kingship. So let's get started. Israel was what's known as a theocracy. Theo is the Greek word for a god, and krasi is the Greek word for ruled by. So a theocracy is a form of government Government which recognizes a deity, a God, as the one in charge and then policy is overseen by of- officials who, who um, uh, feel led by or fo- uh, follow that uh, God's leading. Israel was a theocracy from the time the nation was established under Joshua when they crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land from that time until Samuel. During that time, they had leaders known as judges. In in Scripture, you read the book of Judges. Leaders who would take charge when it came time to go into the next battle. Leaders who would settle disputes among the people, thus the name Judges. The 12 tribes of Israel at that time were a a fairly loose federation, actually, as the judges' power was somewhat limited over this uh, nation of Israel.
1: Well, there came a point. Where the people wanted something different, the current judge, his name was Samuel. He was highly respected. He was a God-fearing, God-centered man. But as he uh, grew in age, his sons That's a gentle became way of saying it. in it grew in age. Grew in age. Like in age yeah. <laughs> Since <laughs> I am, I want to put it clear, you know, nicely. All right. <laughs> so his sons, who he appointed, didn't follow the way that Samuel did. They really didn't measure up. In fact, the scripture says that they made money dishonestly, accepted bribes, and perverted justice. Hmm. That never happens today, does it? So, the elders, the leaders of Israel, they got together and they said to Samuel, the good guy, they said, look, you are old, And your sons don't follow your ways. So now appoint over us a king to lead us, just like all the other nations have. They weren't
0: quite as gentle as you. Look, you are old. (laughs) Yeah. Give us a king like all the other nations have. Kind of takes you back to childhood, doesn't it? Where, why do you, well, you want what the other kids have. Oh, that's not childhood, is it? That's us as adults, too, isn't it? I want the house. My buddy's got a house. I need a boat. My buddy's got a... We do that today, don't we? We want it because somebody else has it. Scripture tells us that Samuel was displeased by what the people said. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him to do what the people requested, that it wasn't Samuel that they were rejecting, that they were rejecting God as their king. Wow. Wow, can you imagine being God and feeling that the people had rejected you as king, but it it really didn't surprise him because, as he said, they'd been doing it ever since he freed them from slavery in Egypt many, many, many years before.
1: So, the people rejected God as king. And... You know, sometimes you get exactly what you ask for because they say, you know, we don't want judges anymore. We want a king. And so God gave them what they asked for. God tells Samuel to listen to the people and then to warn them what they can expect from a king, which Samuel does. He tells them that a king will take from them will take their sons and their daughters and press them into service, that a percentage of their crops and and what they get will have to pay taxes to the king. The people paid no attention. They still wanted what they wanted, and they wanted a strong king to lead them into battle like all the other nations. See, that's the key. They wanted something they couldn't have. They wanted something that someone else had. So God gave them what they requested. Lesson, be careful what you ask for.
0: So God directed uh, Samuel to a man named Saul. As scripture tells us, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Wow. (coughs) When Samuel brought this to Saul, Saul protested, he said that he was from the smallest clan of the smallest tribe, but Saul was God's choice for king, and so Samuel anointed him with oil, the symbol of leadership, and Saul was a capable leader for a while. Throughout his kingship, there was bitter war between the Israelites and the Philistines. Well, wow. things don't change much, do they? Though nowadays it's not Philistines, but it's Palestinians. but. The war continues, doesn't it? Wow.
1: Well, there came a point where the Israelites, they were in battle, and God told Saul through Samuel to totally destroy the army, to spare nothing. Unfortunately, Saul did not follow instructions, saving the best livestock to sacrifice to God. Now, on the surface, that doesn't seem like a problem. Well, saving the best livestock... As a sacrifice to God. Here's the problem Saul disobeyed God. Saul disobeyed the instructions. Samuel shared with Saul that the Lord does not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as the Lord devo- delights in having us obey what God tells us. Bottom line obedience is the key. Obedience to God. Is the key that is something that is so valuable for all of us to tune into lesson learned number two obedience to God is the key so as a result the Lord rejected him as king and even though he looked the part even though for a while he acted the part had some success in battle his disobedience cost him the kingship Samuel never saw Saul again.
0: Say that three times.
1: Yeah. Samuel never saw Saul again, Saul, Saul. but mourned for him.
0: He didn't see Saul. Again. Here's what scripture tells us. First Samuel 16, 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long do you intend to mourn for Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with olive oil, and go. I am sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem, for I have selected a king for myself from among his sons.
1: Well, Samuel protested to this, saying that Saul would hear all about it and just kill him. But the (laughs) Lord told him to take a heifer and just tell Jesse that he came to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, which Samuel did. Samuel was obedient. Upon arrival, he was asked if he came in peace, which he did, and he invited Jesse and his sons to come to the sacrifice.
0: When Jesse and his boys got there, Samuel looked at each of them, and he kind of mentally measured the boys up as to who would be the next king. First up was Eliab, the oldest, and Samuel thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord told him not to be impressed by the young man's appearance or his height, for God had already rejected him as the next king. See, God re- reminded Saul—excuse Samuel that God doesn't look at the same things that human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart.
1: And so Jesse presented his next son, Abinadab, to Samuel. But Samuel said the Lord had not chosen this son either. Then Jesse presented Shammah and the Lord didn't choose him and then on and on again. And then all of his sons were presented and then Samuel asked Jesse if all of his sons were there. Jesse responded saying that his youngest son was out in the field taking care of the sheep. Samuel told Jesse to send for him that he could wait, they'd sit down and have a chat until this youngest son (laughs) came in from the field.
0: And so while they waited, Jesse um, uh, did as Samuel requested, and he went out, and he brought in his youngest son, David. Scripture tells us that this young guy had a ruddy complexion with beautiful eyes and was handsome in appearance. And the Lord told Samuel to go and anoint him. This was the one. This was the one. So Samuel took the horn full of olive oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And scripture tells us the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Not just that day, but from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord was upon David. Samuel then left and went on home.
1: Can you imagine being there that day? I mean, one by one, Jesse brings in his sons, and Samuel realizes that it's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that one. They were all looking bright and young and strapping. They seemed to fit the part. But then lesson number three or four, whatever we're on, what is on the outside isn't always what's on the inside. God looks on the inside.
0: Mm-hmm. So they bring in the runt of the litter, the little brother. Jesse didn't even include this kid in the group when he and his sons came. They told him to bring his sons, and he brings all, but the little guy leaves him out with the sheep. He was not included. He was virtually forgotten. But here's lesson, whatever. (laughs) Don't ever forget this. Ever, even though those around us might forget about us, God doesn't forget us. God does, Turn to the person next to you and say, God doesn't forget us. God doesn't forget. God knew David was out in the field, and through Samuel, asked Jesse if he had any sons. God doesn't forget. Next time you feel like your family's kind of forgotten about you, just remember... Say it with me, God God doesn't doesn't forget. forget. Next time you feel like your friends forgot you, don't forget, remember this, say it with me, God God doesn't doesn't forget. forget. Next time you're at work and you feel like the boss has forgotten you, although some days that's a good thing, but let's say (laughs) you're feeling like all ignored and boss doesn't care, remember, say it with me, God God doesn't doesn't forget. forget, and here's the ultimate. The next time you feel God has forgotten about you, Next time you feel God's ignoring you, next time you feel two million miles away from God, remember this. Say it with me. God, God doesn't, doesn't forget. Amen.
1: You know, I wonder how Jesse felt that day. I mean they told him to fetch his youngest. Did he think well that's kind of a waste of time? He's just a little guy. He's a punk. He never included him originally. I wouldn't go that far. Anyway.
0: That's think what the about. brothers were thinking.
1: Well, think about this. Here they're all paraded in and then it's their little brother, the baby of the family. Think about today when we're in this family line. I mean, I'm the oldest, I have a little brother, the baby of the family. I'm not sure the siblings were thrilled at this point.
0: (laughs) And what about David? We're not told how old he is, but did a little research and a lot of scholars say he's probably in the range of 10 to 13 years old at this point. Can you imagine being in his sandals that day? I wonder if he even really knew what was going on, if he realized when, they were, when Sam was anointing him with this oil, what that truly meant, that that day he was being chosen, he was anointed as the future king of the nation of Israel, this 10, 11, 12-year-old kid. We know from Scripture that he felt something. Because we're told, as we said before, that the Spirit of the Lord was powerfully upon him from that day on. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. So you know he felt something. Man, what a day. What a day.
1: All right, this is a great story. In your Bibles, we hope that you all go home and open them up. Start at 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we have covered chapter 1. Through chapter 16.
0: World whirlwind tour.
1: It's a great read. I started reading it and reviewing it again, and I couldn't stop because it was like this, this thing that I would made-for-TV movie kind of thing. It is great stuff, so go home and read your Bible. By the way, next week we're going to pick up at chapter 17. So what does all this have to do with you and me? How do we apply this? This has everything to do with you. This has everything to do with me. This story tells us something so important. It tells us that what we see isn't always what we get. It tells us that you can't judge a book by its cover. Say, you can't judge a book by its cover. It tells us that what's going on on the outside isn't what's going on on the inside at times. Not at all. It tells us that even though we might see a shepherd boy, like what they saw, a little shepherd boy, God sees a king. Even though we might see this, God sees this.
0: You know, a young guy might look in the mirror and all he can see is a big nose and that he can't run very fast and that he struggles with algebra and chemistry. God sees a future missionary who's going to carry the message of Jesus Christ to the other side of the world.
1: We look in the mirror and what do we see? We might see a girl with blemishes, or freckles, or maybe um, overweight, or maybe, (coughs) excuse me, underweight, or if you have straight hair, you want curly, or curly hair, you want straight. And God sees a beautiful girl, beautiful girl, and would do anything to help that young lady realize that she could be an engineer or a teacher.
0: Mm. (laughs) We look in the mirror and see a guy, Who has a fairly routine job who who leads a fairly routine life God sees a guy who's going to connect teenagers with Jesus and the life he offers by working with the youth group at connection community church
1: we look in the mirror and we see a woman in her 40s whose husband's left her for somebody half her age and she has kids and she hurts and God doesn't forget and God uses that and prepares her to be a beacon of hope for someone else who's experiencing the very same thing.
0: We see a guy selling life insurance policies to people, God sees a guy who, who maybe can offer people real life insurance, eternal life insurance that has an awesome dividend structure. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: We see a nurse caring for people, helping them deal with their physical health. And God sees a pastor helping people deal with their spiritual health. Amen. Yeah, okay.
0: You know, you can help us preach here. We can, you know, this can be a little dialogue here. It's okay. See, David's story, the, the importance of it is because it's your story and our story as well. It's our story. Now, we don't herd sheep, most of us. Any sheep herders here today? No. And, and most of us aren't going to be a king and queen. May have a few princes and princesses, but we, most of us aren't going to be a king or queen. But, 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 but what we see and what God sees are two very different things. Now, we see the outside, God sees the inside. We see who we are, and God sees who we're going to be through him. We see for the moment, and God sees for eternity. We see the here and now, God sees the there and the then. We look at the appearance, God looks at the heart. Often when we look in the mirror, it's hard for us to imagine someone so different from what we see at the moment but we always got to remember with God all things are possible say it with me with God all things are possible you know as we've said many times here before one of our favorite scriptures 2 Corinthians 5 17 so if anyone is in Christ there is a new creation everything old has passed away see everything has become new
1: Thanks to Jesus, we are a new creation. And we might look in the mirror and see one thing. Or we might allow the tapes in our head to tell us this or to tell us that, to beat us down. Those words don't define us. It's Jesus Christ and his love and being a child of God and a creation of God. That's who we are. That's what defines us. That's who defines us. I am so thankful that God sees something else than what I see or than what you see. God sees a child that he created, unique and special, with gifts to share, to make a difference in the world. Yeah, we see, you know, we walk in with our happy faces and we might even put on a mask, But we're all dealing and struggling with all kinds of stuff. And God doesn't forget that. And God sees the beauty. That can come from ashes in our lives. And God sees potential. Whether we're 10 years old or 20 or 60 or 80, we all still have potential. And God wants to use it all for his glory. So we hope that that's what you take away that what we see God sees so much more and wants that for all of our lives and what it boils down to is a life of obedience to say okay God I'm going to go with it I might not understand it I might not like it but it's all about you that's the good news of the scripture let's live it And let's believe it. Let's pray. Mighty God, it is really tough sometimes to switch gears from what we think for our lives or for decisions that we might make that, and then depend and allow you to lead us. And Lord, sometimes when we look in the mirror, we just see, see this person that isn't beautiful. Lord, thank you for not seeing that and for encouraging us to step out and to trust you. So we thank you for this story in 1 Samuel. Help us apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash ConnectionCC. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.